If you are not careful and you let yourself be captured by the news and all the noise, it can confuse you into believing that there is more wrong in our society than right with it, that there are more selfish people than selfless people. Every day there are more people that you know, that you meet, that you pass by, who focus their efforts and energy into helping others, in service to others, to making their country, their community better. They are the teachers, the doctors, the nurses, the veterans, the police officers, and so many others. This is the Strength From Service Podcast. Welcome to another edition of Strength From Service. Jake Palmer is my name, and as always, joined by the uh, talented and very charming crew of uh, Mike McLaughlin and Jack Zimmerman. Welcome, guys. How are you? Good, good. Uh, excited to be here again, and I'm um, excited to have a really good guest today. So am I. So am I. Why don't we uh, not waste any time? And uh, uh, Jack, if you'd be so kind as to introduce our guest for us. Yeah, our guest today is uh, Brady Hahn, uh, resident of Cleveland. Uh, 99% sure you lived there your whole life, but uh, I've known uh, Brady uh, for most of my life now. Uh, really became um, really good friends with him when my brother actually was in his class, and that's kind of when it all started for us. And uh, Brady's uh, been an incredible uh, community member in Cleveland for a really long time and, and uh, has constantly been serving his community uh, from the minute that I've known him. And um, it's uh, somebody I really feel like uh, his story should be shared and um, and uh, should be recognized and acknowledged for all the stuff he does in our uh, great communities. Outstanding. Well, welcome, uh, Brady. Thanks for uh, joining us today. We appreciate it. Uh, let's start at the beginning. Uh, where were you born? No, I'm kidding. Uh, I do that every week. Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, some of your background. What do you do now? You're a school teacher also? Uh, so That's correct. Yeah, I've been just finished my 23rd year teaching, actually. Wow, um, outstanding. Yeah, yeah. been firefighting for 22 and uh i actually i do a lot i coach football i've coached girls basketball girls softball um i i do a little plumbing i do a little electrical work i uh farm i'm a pretty active guy well there you go that wraps it up thanks for joining us folks i mean I, wow plumber, so, uh, farmer teacher yeah. yeah you're you're everybody's best friend it sounds like yeah. i have a problem saying no <laughs> yeah i can tell that's for sure so well welcome to the show tell us a little bit about yourself i mean uh, let's start how did you become a school teacher it sounds like that's been kind of your uh, your main career that's correct yeah so when i was a junior in high school i did some work in a special ed classroom and I, I just felt like I found my niche. Like I just enjoyed working with those kids. And it's not like I went to college and thought right away, I'm going to be a school teacher. I had to filter through some, some things while I was there. But eventually I settled on teaching school and, I, and I'm glad I did. I really appreciated my career. So when you were in, in school, your, your junior was that at Cleveland you had that opportunity? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. Like you said, I'd been in Cleveland, and except for moving away to Gus Davis for for your period <laughs> way down the road way down to 99 yeah, you moved away and, and did your mom cry and wave yeah, yeah. Uh, we'll see at patrick's <laughs> uh, so, so that 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 time when you were a junior was that uh, a school like service learning class or was that something you had to seek out yeah and we still do that today we we allow high school kids to work in elementary classrooms uh just an assistant for the teacher and and they get a some and it's led to other students going that with that career choice as well so oh really is yeah. that just within the district or is that yeah it's, as far as i know it's special to our district there might be other districts out there that do it as well but sure i don't you don't hear about that in a lot of the bigger schools as much uh, I know well and us being k-12 obviously it's a little easier to move amongst sure. each other so. else and uh who was well like, when you were going through that was there a teacher that you kind of like 
uh, mentored under that kind of got you rolling in that and you, that you worked with when you were working with the special ed? Yeah, she was also my uh, track coach. So I thought, well, actually, I looked at it like, well, this should be an easy hour. Turns out I really liked it and, and I worked at it. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. And uh, so then you graduated from Gus Davis then. And did you immediately start teaching at Cleveland then, pretty much right after you're uh, done with school? I did. My brother was down getting his haircut about a week after I graduated, and uh, school board president happened to be getting his haircut right in front of him and said something about a job opening, and my brother said, hey, Brady just graduated <laughs> with his degree. And I happen to know this guy my whole life, of course, everybody in Cleveland does, right? Yep. And he just about jumped out of his seat and said, get him to get his paperwork in. And yep. he called the superintendent and the superintendent called me and made me get my paperwork. And I still had to go through the whole process right. of yep. interviewing and, and doing all that. But it, I, when I say the job fell into my lap, it, it did. Was, uh, when you first started teaching that, was that something that, um, was it exactly what you expected? I mean, I mean, obviously having, uh, you know, going to school, nothing is, uh, and especially teaching the same school you went to. Um, a lot of things are very familiar, but um, all of a sudden you have your own classroom and everything. Does does things change big time? It was overwhelming. Uh, yeah, I mean, your your life experiences in your college can prepare you for certain aspects of it, but yep. you don't. I still don't know. Twenty three years later, what a kid's bringing to me every day, or what I'm going to be faced with. When I say every day is a different experience, and I hear that in some professions as well, others other professions. It's true in teaching, man. It, it you don't know when what the kids bring in, you know, they might've had a, a bad morning or they're having a rough go of it in life in general. And, and, you know, you just have to deal with each kid individually, bosses, coworkers, whatever it happens to be. It's managing a lot of different personalities, really. It is and, definitely uh, managing a lot of personalities. And, uh, it's tough too when they're kids, you know, um, and it's, it's, uh, it's a really hard thing too. I think being a teacher now, cause you know, we, when I was going to school, you know, that's when all the Columbine stuff happened and everything, you know, and, and, uh, you know, we started putting these protocols to lock down schools and, and to protect these kids and everything. And, and uh, you know, being a teacher now isn't just, uh, you know, getting kids in the classroom every day and teaching them how to read and write. But, I mean, you're assuming an incredibly large responsibility every single day that um, parents entrust their kids to, to take them to you every day and not only come home a little bit smarter, but also safe. You know, that's a that's a huge responsibility to take on. And you got about two decades now in the, the teaching business, and I guess from that that window and in, in your perspective, I mean, how have you seen that progression in teaching and the relationship with the students kind of progress? So kids are still kids, and and they still they're there to learn. I, I always say I'm a sixth grade teacher. I get to take advantage of the fact that they want to be there for the boyfriends and girlfriends. I I just I'm there, and I get to <laughs> I get to you know hopefully teach them something in the meantime. And we have, we have a lot of fun doing it in my classroom, too. But I will say, you used to be able to stand and deliver a lot more, and kids would absorb the information. Now it's a lot more hands-on work, a lot more smaller assignments. Um, homework is kind of a, getting to be a thing of the past because with your phones and computers, you can just go home and cheat. So you might as well do the oh, work. Right. You might as well do the work at school, right? Sure. That's yeah, not an endorsement for cheating yeah, kids yeah, if you're listening to I'm, I'm over here thinking about, uh, I might actually have been a lot, I wouldn't have to cheat so much off my, you know, my friends and stuff like that had I had a cell phone back in the day. So did you start right away in sixth grade or how did, how did your, uh, your teaching journey begin? So we actually pod taught when I first started. So I taught third and fourth graders. So I actually had to teach two curriculums to the same group of kids or vice versa, you know, mm-hmm. I taught a curriculum to the fourth grade, a t- curriculum to the third grade. I did that for six years, and then I went into fifth and sixth, did the same thing, and for about the last 12 years now, I've just been sixth grade, sixth grade math. 
So how explain to people because I grew up in a small town in Wisconsin and we kind of did that. You know, you had the same you know, uh, teacher kind of through sixth and seventh or you know seventh and eighth grade. You were kind of dealing with the same teachers for for all of your curriculum. They just kind of had a specialty sort of. Uh, is that similar to what that what that pod teaching would be that, like? That was definitely similar to that. Yes, we had about 20 to 25 kids in our class, uh, usually an even split between the third and the fourth or the fifth and the sixth graders. And you, while one group was working on the assignment, you just taught them, you take the other group and, and teach them, you know, sure. this, this, their English or their math or whatever you happen to be working on at the time. That must've been uh, that must've been a challenge and a heck of an eye opener. I would think uh, fresh out of college thinking, you know, I'm going to be all that. <laughs> and then here you are. Now, was that the way you went to school in Cleveland as well? It was not. Okay. And, and Exactly right. I wasn't prepared for that. They don't teach you that in college because that's not right. something other kid or other students are going on to teach in that way. Right. So that was definitely unique to to Cleveland. I can imagine. Uh, so you did uh, you did fifth sixth for a while, and then and now you're doing just straight sixth grade. Yeah, I do sixth grade now. I, now I am individualized, like you were talking about. I do sixth grade math, and and then when the kids are ready to go on to English or spelling or reading, they go to my co teacher. Uh, and then in the afternoon, we uh, we pod up with the fifth graders, too, and then we do a couple of science classes, a couple of social studies classes, and, and my social studies is specifically Minnesota history. Oh, nice. That must be fun. I really enjoy it. Yeah. 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 I, I'm one fun. of those. I can sit around a, a group of people and say, say useless facts about Minnesota. So. Uh, actually, um, based on that, I just, I just wrote an article that we're getting a new state flag here. Oh, in really? Minnesota, yeah, but like uh, May of next year, I think we're going to have they've a, been talking a about it for a while. Flag, yeah. Yeah. That's kind of cool. Well, Change I, it all up. I used to be the type of student that would skip school and then go watch History Channel when it was actually, you know, history before it was all ancient aliens at night. <laughs> Everybody <laughs> thought I was the hall monitor because I was kicked out of class every hour. But. <laughs> <laughs> so when you, when you first started teaching at, at Cleveland, was the teacher that uh, did the teacher assistance program with you when you were a junior? Was the, was she still around? No, she had moved on to a neighboring district at that point. Were any of your other teachers from? Definitely, and and actually, I still co-teach with one of with a gentleman who started teaching when I was a fifth grader. He became a fifth grade teacher. I I didn't have him, but wow, sure. that's wild. Yeah, that's I'll, that's got to be <clears throat> excuse me. That's got to be bizarre. You know, like uh, the, the the passing of the uh, the torch, so to speak. Yeah. You know, at first it it kind of was he working amongst these people that you thought were hard on you one at one point or were trying to push you to do something at one point, you know, but really it, I blended in pretty quickly and, and, uh, they didn't, they didn't still act at towards me at, like that in that manner. So, so you had 23 years of uh, teaching and you said 22 years in the fire department. So you're overwhelmed teaching and you think I need something else to do, right? That's right. Yeah. Actually, I, I wanted to be a firefighter since I was in fourth grade. I just, I just knew that was my thing, so yeah, I was I pushed hard to do that. So then they had the open. You see, you're teaching. You figured out you're getting established in the community. Obviously, you know you're going to be staying there for a while. And uh, you think I'm going to I'm going to join the fire department. So there's opening tryouts, what you want to call it, whatever you want to call it. That's yeah, not basic training. Yeah, uh, yeah. So how does that process work when yeah. you want to be a part of the team? So you you fill out an application. For us, it's at City Hall, uh, and it's also available online through the City of Cleveland website. But uh, you fill that out, you wait however long it takes for them to filter through whatever they need to filter through, get the group of people together that are going to interview you, schedule it, you show up, you go through some physical tests, you climb a ladder, you carry some buckets, uh, put the gear on, make sure you, you put the mask on and make sure you don't panic, panic when yeah. you put it on. Uh, you know, simple things like that. And then you go and sit amongst, you know, seven, eight people and they ask 
multiple questions and and get the feel for it. So just not to interrupt, but <clears throat> very quickly, uh, just to give you an idea, a city the size of Cleveland, you're talking about seven or eight people uh, yeah. <laughs> apply, yeah. applying for the volunteer fire department. Because yeah. I think the average outsider would go, I bet they're lucky to get one every time they need somebody. And you're ta- that's just that, you know. There's something in the water over there in Cleveland. That, I like that's it. a good point. We're, yeah. Currently, we're stacked at 30 people, and, and I have m- multiple applicants ready to get that's out. Where, as soon that's as what I was just going to ask you. Is when you first started, how many how many uh, people were on the fire department then? When we were at 30 then as well. Okay. Oh, or when they hired yeah. the group that came in with me, yeah. which happened to be five people, They uh, we that were was, at 30 then. Yep. Wow. That that's, is, that's impressive. Yeah, and still and four out of those time. five people are, are still serving for Cleveland. <laughs> That's wild to, to, to think about how long they've been in, involved in. And uh, I know a lot of guys get into firefighting, you know, uh, to do the, you know, put out fires and, and do that stuff of it with it. But uh, being in a small town and everything, I don't think uh, maybe a lot of people even realize that you're not just being a fireman. You know, you're also having to take those first responder calls of, of uh, in the middle of the night and whatever time of day it is, you know, uh, you guys are going out there and uh, anybody in need you're going out and serving at all times of the day being in a small town like that. That's correct. You know, my pager could go off right now for all I know. it. You just, you have no idea. I'm always on call as long as I'm in the area. I'm most likely going to respond. And yeah, firefighting is the best part. It's the most exciting. It's fun. And I know people are going to be like, how could firefighting be fun? But that's why I joined, right? To, to get that adrenaline rush and, yep. and do that and take control of that situation. And it's the best, but... Man, we've pulled horses out of swamps and cats out of trees, and we're working with medicals all the time and car right. accidents and gas leaks. Well, we have two boats. We're on the water patrolling for, you know, lost people or, or broke down boats, whatever it happens to be. Yeah. And um, so you started out, I don't know, I don't know how the ranks go in the military. We start out as privates, you know, and uh, hopefully eventually one day work your way up to a general or a sergeant major, you know. Uh, and obviously I think a lot of people know in the, in the fire world, you become a chief, you know, and, uh, um, I believe you're the chief at Cleveland right now. Is that correct? That is correct. I'm in my fifth year of being chief for Cleveland. Yeah. Wow. That's a, that's a, that's a uh, big baton to carry, you know? I mean, uh, I didn't have to do a whole lot as a, as a commander at uh, the Cleveland Legion, you know, I did that for three years and, and, uh, I know how much time and effort that took just to do that, that, that small job of being a commander in a, in a, in a Legion club, but, uh, being a chief, do you find you're having to do stuff almost daily f- to, to maintain the, the fire department in town? Every day and, and at all hours of the day. In fact, on the way here, I was on the phone with a salesman trying to get a bid on new air packs at oh, sure. roughly $100,000. So it's constant. Yes, it's managing people. It's making sure everything's where it needs to be, getting phone calls of asking if it's okay to use this or do that. Yeah. You know, whatever it happens to be, it's it's a constant thing, even in a small small town like Cleveland like you said but you're still managing 30 people so right. a little little more involved than me being the president of the curling club just a little more it sounds <laughs> less like. beer probably <laughs> probably <laughs> yeah. we'll go with that yeah, yeah. we'll I'm go with yes on that juice. one yeah. yes yeah. Uh, so let me ask you I have a couple of things that are bouncing around in my head that I'm curious about uh, Brady Brady Hahn is our guest today on uh, strength from service and the one thing that always sticks out to me, Brady, is the connection between the the service part of uh, being a firefighter, you know, uh, and volunteer firefighter in a small town, and also being a teacher, uh, and the connection that teachers make with kids. This is like a big giant loop here. Sorry, guys. No, yeah. But um, 
as a kid, I remember my favorite teacher ever, uh, Mr. Smith, was also the head of the ambulance department in small town Arcadia, Wisconsin. And so he had that. And him and I made a connection. And I think he saw the 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 troubled soul in me. And he really, I mean, he really, I look back now and I can see how he reached out and took me in. And he would, you know, he would do, uh, he would like create odd jobs. And like, hey, I, you want to make uh, 50 bucks this weekend? I need you to split these two trucks of firewood for me or something like that. And, and he really... Uh, became almost like a father figure. Is that is that something you find that the two services kind of uh, almost blend a little bit? And is that is that I mean, with your schedule, do you even have time to try to? I don't want to say mentor, but mentor kids and and really seek out the ones that you think you can help or save or or be a part of. So my first focus is is the students. It's I want I want them to feel successful. I want them to to be productive. You know, in life in general, I want them to go on to do wonderful things. I, uh, sorry, I lost my train of thought. There was some fuzz in my ear on that one. So, um, but, uh, you yeah, know, being a football coach yeah. too, I, I watch these kids go through elementary and I watch them go through the high school and, and I happen to have two high school daughters as well. So I, I'm really engaged with the students and I truly want to push them to be better people. I want to lead by example, but I also want to lead with advice or just being a phone call away to help them at any moment too. Well, I think that's a pretty unique thing on the, the teaching side. When done right, when I reflect on teachers, that, that meant a lot to me, too, is um, you're not going easy on them and you're not going extremely hard on them. You're kind of help, helping challenging them to improve and, and, and get better uh, along the way, whether it's in academics or whether it's in, in your sports or whether it's through some of those life lessons in class, too. And then you put that alongside the dynamic of uh, firefighting where you're helping people that are in you know difficult situations that – need a first responder and so you're still uh one's uh calling for help and you're responding where you don't have to respond on the firefighting side the volunteer side i'm sure i'm not saying you but just in general as a firefighter you can come up with any excuse you know underneath the sun not to answer this page and not to show up because i got things with my two daughters or i have you know this thing with this graduation or my buddies are back in town but day in day out the volunteer firefighters in rural minnesota answer that call regardless of what they have going in their personal life and that's that's something that i think gets carried in those communities and mm-hmm. sets the example and uh, whether you whether you notice it or not but you know there's kids in the school that are are picking up on just that presence in your service and that's phenomenal to me you know in, in a lot of situations too you're doing it for free you may be earning a retirement you some people some departments have per diems some are paid on call in my situation we're not we're just we're just doing it we're spending our own gas we're spending our time mm-hmm. you know we're taking our time away from our families and in the end you know you go out and you run a good call it feels pretty darn good so it makes it a little more worth it um is is has it ever happened that you've had to respond to a call that involved a student what's that, that that's got to be Hard, I would think, on multiple levels. Absolutely. You know, I don't want to focus too much on some of the bad calls I've been on, but yeah, for sure. I have absolutely uh, been through some some hard times, some hard situations. And, and in some of those situations, too, when they see my face, they open up more. They feel more comfortable because there's a familiar person. It's not right. 30 strange people or 15 strange people, whatever it happens to be, standing around them, you know, asking them weird questions that yeah. they didn't expect to be answering. I think uh, in uh, my podcast, I think I talked about being on the operating room table and and looking at that one nurse and and just wanting her to acknowledge me just so 
uh, I felt like I was even there, you know, mm-hmm. having somebody that you, because I mean, that was the first time I was alone without the guys that I was with, you know, and, and uh, for well over a year, you know, and uh, having a familiar face, you know, in a, in a traumatic time is, uh, uh, can be incredibly comforting and, and give you that, that chance to keep, you know, uh, digging on, you know. One thing we do a lot of as firefighters is we train, and I try to put myself in every situation when we're training so I can feel what it's like to be the right. the victim or the patient. And there's nothing worse than being on the ground and looking up at six, eight people standing over the top of you. you you've got to get down. You've got to be yep. next to them. You've got to get yourself on their level, talk to them in a way that makes them feel comfortable. And actually, I just went through that same situation. I uh, recently had a heart attack, actually, and Whoa. was on the operating table oh, yeah. for my uh, stent. And, and the lady next to me was just the nicest lady. And it just made the situation actually easy, to, yeah. be, to believe it or not. Right. It can, yeah, whoever's helping you can absolutely change that, that situation dynamic uh, immensely, you know, and... and uh, but uh, does that does that connection that 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 understanding of I need to make a connection with this person? Um, w- this is a this is a tough question, but do you do you think uh, being a firefighter makes you a better teacher, or do you think being a teacher makes you a better firefighter and lifesaver, or or are the two just synonymous and go hand in hand? I think the the two absolutely parallel each other. I have taken a lot of psychology classes to become a teacher, and therefore. When I'm in certain situations and I can read faces and I can read body movements and and just life experiences in general to go along with that, I can respond to that person and read their needs and I can be bluntly honest with them and know if they're hiding something from me or I need to ask further questions to find more out. Like, yeah, I could I could see where that would be. You know, the that the the ability to make that connect. I think a good firefighter um, is also a good teacher because the ability to to recognize the need for that connection and then actually does have a way to make that connection. So I think there's a lot of people out there that can see like that kid needs a connection. He needs someone to help out, whether you know whether the kid is injured or whether he's a, a student. Uh, but having the ability to do it. And the skill set to pull it off, I think, is a, compl- a whole different thing. But also to realize, too, that you may have an end goal in sight, even with teaching, with firefighting. But the path to get there is going to change. And, and how we get there, you know, we might start here and want to get there, but it might be kind of a windy river and trying to get to, to that end goal. But What are some of the best things about being on the fire department uh, outside of the, I mean, obviously camaraderie is probably a, Playing a, with the a, toys, a, man. Come on. Yeah. The hose yeah. and the, drive the truck. Come yeah. on. Yeah, if you don't think we like to fire up those trucks and hit yeah. the sirens and fly down the road. Right. Yeah, you're mistaken. But but absolutely, you mentioned camaraderie, and, and that is my ultimate favorite. And not only camaraderie with, with my group in, in Cleveland, but our neighboring communities as well. We really, we partner well with all of our neighboring towns, and, and we have to work together with them as well. So... It's good to do that. But, you know, like even Sunday, we went over to Henderson and did the water fights in neighboring towns and departments from other areas that I'm not super familiar with, but we have a good time. And Those things kind of died for a while, didn't they? And they're kind of coming back now. Water fights are becoming a big thing again. If you remember, and you're a little younger than me, but Cleveland used to have their own rope system, too, that was set up where the softball fields are now, and it was constant they were out there having water fights and, i had no idea it yeah. used to be I, I remember as a kid every small town had that cable stretched between you know somewhere With in town keg hanging from yeah, it or yeah exactly yeah. Yeah, it was, and that's uh, how we did it this weekend was a hanger but you can do it on the ground as well and that's how we do it in cleveland we did it last weekend for cherry creek days it's, oh that's cool it's getting to be a big thing it draws a lot of people in 
I, uh, I have a, a, a bride and groom I did a wedding for a couple of years ago down in Winnebago, and he was recently uh, out of the Marine Corps and uh, was on the fire department. And I asked him about the fire department, and he said, I missed the camaraderie of being a member of a team. Yeah. Are you, do you see a lot of that now with the, with the fire department, guys, a former military or you know that, that service that are looking for that connection and that, that team atmosphere again my assistant chief is military and then i have two other people i believe on the department that are that as well and i haven't specifically heard them say that aspect of it but i mean we're all a little bit cut out of that same mold where we're adrenaline junkies we we want that rush and granted i'm not comparing myself to to people that have served soldiers you know but but really we we kind of underlying factors are are the same. There. I think there's some similarities. I mean, you're both running to the danger, you know, you're both yeah. putting yourself in harm's way to, you know, for the good of someone else, you yeah. know, you're hundred percent. And they both don't have to be there if they don't want to. Right. And they both make a decision to be there and a, a, right. a choice. Yeah, what, your dad, your dad served, you know, do you think that uh, inspired any of, of this service inside of you? I mean, knowing that he was willing to go put it out there on the line and uh, you know, maybe that instilled something in you or, or is passed down genetically to you or, you know, I, I'm, I have huge respect for him serving, but yeah. I don't know that that had a whole lot to do with it, but he's just in general, having been a service member and, and a good person in life, yeah. he just pushed me, you know, by me watching him volunteer and right. yeah, your be there a, for people. Your dad's a, a staple in our community. You know, he's at, uh, He's at every event in town, whether it's for the kids or for adults or the burger feeds at the Legion or whatever it may be, you know, that uh, Bob's going to be there. That's right. And and like I say, I've just I've, I've watched that my whole life. And therefore, I thought, you know, I don't know that I thought it, you know, like it was something that came to my head or if it's just something that's deep set in there that, hey, I can do this, too. Well, I, th- I think that's a lot of common experience with people that end up uh getting into some sort of service whether it's teaching firefighting uh you know clergy or whether it's uh you know volunteering in the community is you have those imprints throughout your life whether it was your teacher in school your your dad or grandpa or your your mom or or people that you saw it's it's like even even for me reflecting on my life i can pick out one or two big ones but then if you really sit and think about the people you grew up around your community or that you were exposed to there's an awful lot of people that took time out of their day on a regular basis to help others and to give back, whether it was coaching T-ball or whether it was uh, helping out for the, you know, the, like just the Cherry Creek days, the community coming together right. and paddlefish days. And I think that's a very understated value that it doesn't necessarily have to be a big shining moment, but collectively as communities, I mean, when you show up and participate, people are catching on to that and it's rubbing off on people. You know, we all set out to, to make as much money as possible, and, and someday I hope to do that too. But <laughs> it, my feelings I get from good feedback in the community and my students and parents and, and just getting along with most people in general, that that's a huge reward for me. And I know that sounds a little cliche, but it really is. It's a good feeling, and I, and I appreciate all that. I've often thought that... Uh uh, people who serve, whether it's uh, whether it's military or you know fire department teaching, those type of things, uh, especially at your level, and not to separate the the military from the firefighting and those types too much, but I, I've often felt like that sometimes it's not so much as a as a calling or like you know I'm going to do my duty because I want to serve, but I I think and correct me if I'm wrong, is it more of a of a this is just the right thing to do. I often say that I was given, I was given gifts, I was given abilities, and if I don't use those abilities for 
what I can, uh, I'm wasting them and, and I'm not, and I'm not doing any good. And, you know, I, not to bring religion into it, but I often say, God gave me these abilities and I need to use them or I'm, or, or they're just a waste. They should have given them to somebody else. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think that, uh, anybody that, uh, is, uh, doing, um, service at any capacity, whether it's military, firefighter, teacher, um, any of those things, you know, I think it takes, uh, um, you know, at the end of the day and you go home, uh, a lot of times the only reward you get is a pat on the back for a lot of things that you do, you know? And, uh, um, but that pat on the back is better than looking at any check with any number on it, you know? And, and really, uh, you know, with me going through my, 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 my event of stepping on IED and everything, you know, when I was laying there on the battlefield, you know, the, the number of my checking account never once flashed before my eyes, you know, it was, uh, all those experiences with, with my friends and, and, um, you, you know, growing up and, and, and living life, you know, and, and, uh, those were the things that, that, you know, at the, what I learned going through that experience that, that's what's so precious to us in this world is, is um, those kinds of things, not how much money we actually have at the end of the day. You know, I, I know in a lot of those, those professions, uh, especially a lot of the first responder, uh, law enforcement type of professions, there, there is some of those traumatic things that you know, we kind of touched on, on earlier, but I, I, I noticed uh, along with uh, law enforcement and, and firefighters and EMTs, just like the military, uh, almost like a, a dark humor comes out of a lot of those experiences is yeah, kind absolutely. of a, a coping mechanism where you could look at something sometimes and get a chuckle or a laugh out of something that a lot of people wouldn't. And it's not to degrade the situation or mm-hmm. anything like that, but I, I think it's just natural human instinct. Uh, one instance uh, for me is uh, we got uh, a firefight and one of our, our radio operators uh, was just slinging Mark 19 ammo, just slinging it like crazy to the, the Mark, like, and after we all yeah, got done, a, it, that's yeah. a grenade, an automatic grenade yeah. launcher for yeah, people that don't know the marketing. Yeah, yeah, sorry, forty mil, uh, forty millimeter <laughs> uh, grenade launcher, uh, machine gun, uh, and so just throwing ammo at it like crazy. Uh, and everyone's like, "Oh my God, Mitchell was just on it, man! He was just really on it." And so a firefight, you know, broke contact, everything's done with, and go over and you know talk to talk to Mitchell. I'm like, "Man, what the hell got up your you know rear end? What were you what were you doing, man? Like you were just." on it you were on point slinging ammo like crazy he's like my rifle didn't work it's like really your rifle don't work he's like yeah my rifle don't work i dropped my mag nothing so he picked his rifle up I was like well let's see it pulls the bolt back and a cigarette butt falls out <laughs> <laughs> he fell asleep with his chamber open and sure. dropped a cigarette yeah, there, and yeah. then went slammed the bolt home and the, yeah, the fight let's, started let's get after it, yeah. yeah nothing happened so he just started slinging it was like i better do something and so you believe it believe it or not he still gets hell for this like crazy oh yeah it's like you're never gonna live that down. Yes, no, no, I mean to everybody so. outside that it might not be so funny, but in the moment and afterwards, I mean, busting his, busting his balls and giving him a hard time about it is, is, you know, something that we always go back to, and you know, there's stories from me and other guys too. But so uh, where I was going with that is, is there any of those like kind of comical moments that might stick out for you in your your twenty some odd year uh, career? I can't think of anything right now that specifically stands out, but we absolutely do that. And, and sometimes I have to call the guys back from, you know, like, hey, you know, there's people in this house that are <laughs> yeah. in, a, in an emergency situation. And, yes, we're dealing with it, coping with it in our minds like this. But hold the noise level down a little bit and maybe step back by the truck right. or something. But And we're all guilty of it. We yeah. really are because you. It's perspective, really. You know, I mean, uh, we, once you see uh, some, some bad things a few times, you know, uh, it doesn't seem uh, – 
as grim maybe at the end of it all. You know, you start to lose a little bit. You start losing. You get a little bit hardened to it maybe, you know, and it doesn't bother you as bad. But uh, yeah, your worst day might not be anywhere close to the bad stuff I've seen. And right. I don't want to take anything no, away no, from no, it. No, 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 not from anybody, you know. But uh, well, your worst that's day like definitely when, was <laughs> yeah. anything more, um, worse than I've seen. Jack's already got the trophy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. We're, we're all just fighting for second place. That's like when people worry ask, about it. That's like when people ask me if I'm having a good day. It's like, you haven't stepped on any IEDs yet today. Killing it, you know. I'm on fire. I'm having a great day. <laughs> oh, man. Um <laughs> nobody, sh- nobody shot at me. <laughs> I just lost my whole train of thought. So uh, what I was going for was um, when I went through EMT training, uh, our instructor, I think her name was Nona. It was years ago. Oh, yeah. And uh, I mean, everybody knows her. And she always said after she had, everybody has a, a process, if you will, a system. And she yeah. said her, her process was after every call, shower. Immediately. That was like the wash it, all wash it off, start over fresh, you know, and part of it is a necessity, but part of it was also there was a, there was an emotional, uh, physical, spiritual cleansing that took yeah. place with that for her. Is there, do you have any, uh, do you have any habits like that or, uh, rituals? So no specific rituals, okay. but for me, it doesn't hit me that quick. I need to just go home and, and just get back into doing what I was doing, or maybe even try to get back to bed, typically turn the TV on. But, you know, a few hours later or a day or two later, in some cases, it hits you and, mm-hmm. and you have to learn to deal with it. And my biggest thing is, and I and I push this hard as a fire chief, is talk, talk, talk. Talk to me, talk to anyone on the fire department, it, well, whoever you're comfortable with. I have outlets like crazy. I have so many connections that I can get people help very quickly. And MinFire and the fire service are wonderful for that. And and hopefully other departments feel that same way too, where, you know, let your people talk. Don't, it's not the days where you hold it in and act like a big tough guy anymore. It, it just doesn't work. Yeah. Is there, is there, is there, is there funds available then if guys need help with, with things or what happens to a guy if he gets hurt on a call or something like that? You know I mean? Good uh, point. So the league of Minnesota cities insures us. Okay. So yes, I can send him. I've had injured firefighters. We send them in. In fact, I've even stepped on a nail in a fire. So I had oh. my very first fire, <laughs> very first fire 22 years ago. I go yeah, to the new I guy. Step it's the new on guy. a nail, yeah. right? And I didn't think too much of it, but I had to go to the doctor and you know get it all cleaned out and get taken care of, and then it goes in the paper as an injured firefighter. <laughs> <laughs> so, Man down. Uh, but yeah. yeah, so so physically, there's that. Mentally, emotionally, we have Minfire. It's called, and that's a state-run organization, uh, state-funded as well, yeah. and it is an absolute gem to have. They are the most wonderful people they're there for you they care for you they're they're a great avenue for whatever you need it may be it may be you're a firefighter but you're having family issues yep uh you know and, and obviously that needs to get dealt with or you're going to start bringing those to the calls yeah it, it may be like i did i had a heart attack you know i may need a little bit of um help pay my bills yeah right they'll, they'll let you they'll help yep. you with that yep. but mental health wise they they get you set up with uh with the people you need. And we have a wonderful guy right here in Mankato that helps us out with that. That's That's awesome. One time when I was uh, down in the Arkansas River Valley, uh, one of the coolest things that ever happened to me is the Secretary of Defense Defense came down there and said, if you guys had an unlimited budget, what would you guys need down here? You know? And uh, I remember we said, we need need more trucks. You know? We need trucks to get around here. We're sick of walking everywhere and getting blown up. You know? (laughs) And uh, um it was the next day. Trucks started showing up. You know, if if you had that ability as a fire chief, you know, if you, if they said any, 
no number on it, you know. What, what do fire departments in, in rural Minnesota need that? that and, and how do you guys fund all this equipment that you guys are getting? So, in Cleveland, we're lucky enough to fund it through through gambling. And we we were able to buy a bunch of stuff with that, right? But like I said earlier, we have, we're have we looking at trying to buy $100,000 worth of air packs. Trucks are $500,000. A yeah. pair of boots is $400. So, the, the cost of anything fire-related is, it's just outrageous. Yeah. So... When you ask that question, I, my head goes right away to to brand new gear, helmets, boots, air packs. You yeah. know all those things that help keep us safe in a fire and and keep the cancer away because there's so many carcinogens yeah, for sure. in fire that people long term have problems after they leave the fire service. Yeah, yeah, we definitely know that stuff with the burn pits over overseas. You know, we burned all that living next to it for for years at a time. Some guys, but uh, yeah, I, I could definitely see where the gear would definitely come into play and and. Uh, you know, I I believe that if you're volunteering on a fire department uh, in our communities, you guys, you shouldn't be buying the the, the knockoff gloves or the, the knockoff boots or helmets or anything like Waiting that. Waiting for I the mean, best sale. Yeah, yeah, yeah let's right, wait for right, that stuff right. to go on sale. I mean, if these guys are willing to put it on the line for, um, you know, people in their community and they're willing to go, uh, you know, rush into your house in the middle of the night to try to save your kid if the house is on fire. I, I, I really hope that they got the best equipment to go in there and, and find my kid or whatever it may be, you know. Or Right. And, and don't get me wrong. We have excellent equipment. Yeah. But it would be nice to have two sets because when we get back from a fire, you have all those carcinogens. Oh, sure. We need to go wash that. Wash we have a off, nice wash yeah. machine and, and drying rack, all that stuff. But it takes time to do that. Right. And it's and not like. Or you might get called to another fire. Right. Yeah, it's, it's, it's double tap. say that. Yeah. yeah. Called right out. Has that ever happened yet? You're on a call and you get a call? Yeah, it happens all the time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, they go in. They go in groups. It yeah. seems like well, full moon is that a thing? Full moon's a real deal, right? Yeah. Yeah. My mom used to say that she took X-rays for a living, and she'd always say it's a full moon tonight. I'm going in for sure. Yeah. <laughs> no doubt about it. Here Murphy, we go. Murphy, so Murphy's no joke, man. Yeah. So I think one of your fun things that you like to do, uh, service-wise, is coach football. I absolutely love coaching football. Yeah, I mean, uh, I I've, I've, I go to quite a few football games yet, and. Uh, uh, you can always tell how the game's going by how jacked up you are on the sideline. <laughs> I definitely give it away. That's right. I get a little emotional. When did you start coaching football? How long ago was that? Ooh, that's that's a big number. Um, so I've been teaching 23. I would bet I waited about five years to start start coaching because I had a baby at the time. Yeah, so. that's wild. So you've been doing that for for a long time now. I've been coaching football, and and um, you still find some of the things that when you played football that. Uh, you still enjoy a lot of the same things, you know, or, or do you like, do you hate bus rides now and stuff like that? <laughs> you know, you get that freshman kid sitting behind you on a bus yeah, and right. just talk, talk, talk. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's where, a little yeah, annoying, but yeah, no, where, it's yeah. fine. You know, earbuds go a long ways nowadays, <laughs> but, uh, no, I, I absolutely love all aspects of it. I, I, I love watching the kids get jacked up. I, I love when they make a good play, when they, when they run something as you coach them to do it and they come to you just so proud. I just love that feeling. You know, it, it's a great, it's a great emotion that as a football coach, you know, we've had a lot of success at, at Cleveland through football and, and to ride that wave into state and for a couple of years there and, and just feel that successful feeling because we've had some bad years too yeah. you know and, yeah, I played and on some of those teams. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta ride that ebb and flow you know so here jack laughed and the team got better yeah, that's right, it's true, yeah. <laughs> actually so jack used to be the the manager this was before me oh, but yes, here's a great. story from the guys i coach with now so he was the manager of the cleveland football team and he had a radio flyer that he would 
put his water. Yeah, we have a huge hill at Cleveland. So like the school's up on top of the hill and the football field is down at the bottom of the hill. Right, it's unique. So how do you get all the water jugs down to the the football field? You know, you throw Mm -hmm. them in a wagon, you know, working smarter, not harder. Right. Well, Jack apparently was meant to ride in wheels his whole life. It's true. He would jump in that wagon and ride it down. <laughs> yeah, so. ride down see if he can make it. We'd spend like the first deal when the, the guys would have like that. You know, we were in sixth grade. We couldn't play football yet. And, uh, you know, all the guys, you know, they, they you know, you try to, you try to be cool, you know, so you try to get in with the, with the guys, you know, and you're going to spend all season with them. And, and the one guy says, I bet you won't ride that wagon down the hill. And well, you're not going to say no, you right. know, you're going to give it accepted. a yeah, challenge acceptance. So we get, I line up on the one spot of the hill and they're like, no, 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 no. You got to go on the steepest part of the <laughs> hill, you know, <laughs> and I'm in this wagon, you know, you get the handle pulled back and you're just like, all right, here we go. So I, the first day I made it like 30 feet and just right over the front of it, you know, wagon hit me a whole nine yards and. But I, I bet within a week and a half, I was able to make it all the way to the bottom. I started getting a, a line figured out, but. Um, you know, that was, that was when, you know, for me, football really was the start. You know, I know my, my kids now they're, they're eight and 10 and they're playing flag football organized and tackle football and all that, you know, and first time you ever got to play any any football like that for me was like seventh grade, you know? So being a sixth grader, being able to hang out at the football practice every day with those guys and, and, uh, watch the plays being run and, and just being a part of the team, you know, was, was just a really cool experience. But, uh, uh, it really, um, ever since I was a kid, you know, I always liked being a part of the whole sports dynamic in mm-hmm. Cleveland. I mean, I was painting baseball lines and stuff with Mr. Hermanson when I was like in fourth grade you right. know, or something like that, you know, but, um, you know, I've always had a, I've always had a, a, a joy for the sports at, at Cleveland, you know, and, and I think one of the things that, um, for me personally, when I was playing and stuff like that, I, I learned a lot about myself when I was playing sports, you know, and, uh, how to dig deeper and be a better teammate and, and all those things. And, and, uh, it's probably pretty cool to watch these kids grow up from, you know, when you're getting them at fifth, sixth grade, when they're just about ready to start that football, you know, you really get to know them that first year and then you get to coach them all the way through their senior year. You get to watch them change and grow as people. I'm sure that's, uh, um, more, a huge rewarding thing that you're going through as well. Right? One thing I've learned is to never give up on a kid because this kid in seventh grade, you know, they might not have it. They might not have that skill set to become a successful football player at, at that level yet. But man, if you keep working with them and they keep growing and, and they keep men- mentally with it, they can really stand out in that varsity level. And, and we may have changed their role three or four times and even within a season three or four times at our small school but we'll find one for you that fits and and watch you succeed and it is that is a great feeling yeah and that's one of the really cool things too about playing at like a really small school is you you you're going to get those opportunities to play because uh there might not be 10 kids you know for one position you know there might be you and nobody else (laughs) right you know that's typically how it works yeah cuts down on the cuts yeah. Yeah, yeah, I made the team, Dad. Uh, uh, <laughs> that's perfect. If you fit on the bus, you make the team. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's <laughs> rigorous over there. Is what it is. Um, still nine man. We've been eleven man now for about five years, I believe. Feels oh, wow. good to say. Back when I went to Cleveland, we played nine man. Yeah. Well, as we like to say here in this building, if it happens in southern Minnesota, it's news to us. <laughs> <laughs> right now, Barry Wartell's like, damn it, Jake! <laughs> Do you not listen to anything? <laughs> Pay attention! 
Um, this is uh, this. Uh, uh, we don't want to. We don't want to keep you here all night. But I do have a uh, one other question. that's a little more on the serious side. Uh, you mentioned you have two t- uh, high school daughters. I do, and a, and a twenty-two year old. And as a twenty-two year old. Well. Okay. Yeah. I was I was doing the math, and you said I waited to coach because I had a baby. I was like, yes, well, I, yes. How what? How <laughs> smart are your kids? No. Uh, <laughs> what I'm curious about because I see this is a totally different level. But being uh, being Mister uh, Wedding Guy for thirty four years, uh, every weekend I'm gone. Mm-hmm. You know, and I see that look in my kids' eyes sometimes. We're like, "Dad's not going to go to the lake with us this weekend because he's going to go make some other family happy." Uh, do you? Do, is that something you've had to contend with a little bit with your kids kind of growing up and missing things like that, and knowing that the, Dad's putting it all on the line for them, and you know, instead of being here for me? That's an absolute true aspect of of my life and and others that are in the volunteer situation. Mm-hmm. And we talk about that. I, I brought wives and families in with professionals to, to learn how to cope with that as well. But yes, I see it, see it in my kids. My kids have also grown up going to a lot of this stuff with me. My, my kids have rolled on rescue calls with me, you know, and, mm-hmm. and they might sit in the fire truck until I can get a hold of somebody to come pick them up. Right. So they know how it is. You know, they might sit in the van and watch a movie while I'm in working CPR on a lady. Right. And, and then I have to come back out and act like, Nothing dad. happened, you know. Yeah, so, yeah. like dad. just be dad. That's right. Yeah, that's hard. You know, I know a lot of guys in the military and stuff like that. You know, leave their families or whatever. And and uh, remember, guys. I mean, I when I was in Afghanistan, I had no idea. You know, I had no kids of my own, and and uh, I I couldn't even relate to those guys that were missing their kids and everything. You know, but. Um, those guys that are over there would always say, you know, someday my kids will understand. You know, why I was doing what I was doing. You know, they might not understand right now. You know, but. You know, someday they will, you know, and, and, uh, you know, the, the, when you're gone for, you know, you're taking off in the middle of this or you're taking off in the middle of that. Um, I, I definitely believe that, um, everybody in our community sees what you guys do. And, um, we're incredibly grateful to have people like you, you know, in our communities, you know, that's one thing we always said, you know, when we, when we, even when we deployed, you know, is that, um, thank God we have so many good people back home, you know, looking over our families while we're gone, you know, we don't have anything to really worry about, you know, and, and you guys are just a phone call away and, and, um, you know, that they're going to show up and, and, you know, we know how hard you guys train and, and, um, you know, and how confident you guys are in your own abilities and, and Lord forbid something happens, you know, um, you pick up that phone when we know people are going to show up that know what to do. That's right. I don't wish bad things on anybody. Never. But I have the utmost confidence in, in my ability and my and my department's ability and even our neighboring community's abilities. And I, I know we're ready for it. And we'll, if we haven't trained for it, we'll figure it out. Right. And you're like, we're the best, but the other communities are pretty good, too. Yes, that's right. <laughs> right, right. Well, and uh, you couldn't you couldn't do the job effectively if you didn't think that way. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, you I can't think, you can't run into a building second guessing. You know, right. you don't go to a game thinking you're going to lose. Right. right. You, you have that confidence that you can do it mm-hmm. and you're going to figure out a way to do it. Uh, be remiss if I didn't uh, mention part of that process of making that all work has to be your wife. I don't have one anymore. But. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we'll edit that part yeah, out. Yeah. Jeez, well, Just the lingering heart attacks. All yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's all, all yes. I will say that was she was supportive of us for a while. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, uh, ooh, is it warm in here? What, what's, yeah. what, what's the what's the Jody equivalent of the firefighting? Yeah, yeah right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, wow. Uh, on the, the the father note too, I got three kids. Jack's got two, and Jake. I don't, how many kids do you have? I have three. Three. Yeah. Okay, so we got a decent crew between all yeah. of us. Um, and, and I know uh, dealing and talking with Mankato Public Safety and 
uh, first responders. And then I know a lot of the guys on the Madison Lake uh, Fire Department, which I imagine you guys work with absolutely pretty often, just based geographically. Uh, but as as a parent, and I, I know the dynamic we have in society today with a lot of uh, overdoses and a lot of uh, first responder calls, are you, are you seeing that in any of the calls you go to with any, you know, not to get into details, but younger adults or, or, or kids, and that kind of hits home with your own kids then? You know, I went on a ATV accident six, eight months ago, whatever it happened to be. It, you, time is kind of irrelevant once right. you've been doing it for too long. But uh, I pulled around the corner and I realized it was one of my daughter's best friends. And oh, man. and my heart just sank. Right. Luckily, I came around the corner fast enough. I could see her out of the vehicle and standing there. So that made me feel a little better. But it was... It was pretty traumatic, to be honest with you. And, yeah. and, you know, you do hear stories about people responding to their parents. And my parents right. live in, in our community and are, are aging. And, you know, your kids being in car accidents, whatever it happens to be. So it's not something you can prepare for. It's just something you have to react to and, and again, learn how to deal with. Well, on, on a, a smaller town in a scenario like that, uh, I mean, what's that, that post-conversation like with your, your kiddo uh, after an event like that? So I've always been pretty bluntly honest with my kids. I'll, I'll tell them you know, what happened without leaving out, I leave out yeah. obviously the, the details that HEPA would make me leave out, yep. but Hey, this is what could have been diff- done differently. Let's think a little harder, but you got to slow down. You got to be more careful, you know, whatever it happens to be. Do you find that you worry about stuff more in life because of the stuff that you see? You know, I don't think I worry a whole lot. Maybe my heart attack would tell differently, <laughs> <laughs> but I've also learned to, not worry about hardly anything since that. Um, is Are there thoughts in the back of my head? Yes. But can I do a whole lot to control what's going to happen? Right. No. So, again, I've just become of the mindset where I just need to react with whatever happens right. and, and not worry about what might happen. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Because I know overseas, the first couple of patrols you do, you're like, oh, somebody's popping up in this window. Somebody's coming over this wall. Somebody, And then like you start patrolling for a while and you're like... It doesn't matter if they do. I just have to take on the whatever happens. Does your gut kind of tell it. you, though, if something's Oh, coming? for sure. Right. Always, yeah, my, yeah, gut, you got my gut will be like, you're getting a page today. Yeah. And I don't know when it's coming, but. Yeah, you can just feel yeah, the energy building, the hair stand, standing up. Yeah. yeah. So you'd also mentioned, too, about, uh, you know, encouraging uh, guys and gals to, to talk and uh, to work through a lot of stuff. But outside of, like, an employee action assistance or assistance program or formalized counseling, is there any like recreational activities that you do uh, that helps you kind of decompress or set your mind right uh, after, you know, a difficult day or long, long stretch? Sure. I like to work out a little bit. That does help me. Uh, I have a dog that I like to just take for a walk and, and that helps a lot. He just, you know, watching him being, be a fool is just <laughs> relaxing. Right. And uh, I kind of, I have a, a problem with, being too busy i just i just didn't get myself involved in whatever i can get involved in and i, yeah. and I go 100 percent. so in that aspect i'm probably calling other firefighters i'm checking in on you multiple times i'm talking to my assistant chiefs and seeing what they are feeling or finding out yeah. so r- maybe not the healthiest way of doing it sure that's how i do it well i imagine there's got to be a therapeutic aspect to uh you know from difficult day at teaching being able to go onto the football field and work and mentor with those young men and difficult day in the football field you know respond to a call and, and help somebody out so the the service even though you know we we tend to talk about the traumatic or the the dangerous side of it there is a lot of self-rewarding th- therapy that comes out right. of serving others yeah uh, on that it's, side yeah, it's on gratitude and it's on right ways, yeah. would you um <clears throat> 
a kid, a student, a player uh, comes to you and says, "I think I want to be a fireman, or I want to, I want to serve, I want to join the military, I want to." Is that something? Uh, maybe I want to become an EMT. Uh, is that something you would encourage? You uh, is it, you know what, what's your thoughts on that? I wouldn't hesitate for one second to encourage that. It's it's a wonderful aspect. It's a, you know fantastic thing to pursue. In fact, I'm trying to encourage one of my daughters to go Air Force right now. I don't know if I'll make her bite, but we'll see. And uh, you know, I, I'm again, I'm a blunt guy. I'm 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 real with these kids. Like, hey, it takes yeah. this much training. It it takes you away from your family. Blah 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 blah. But after the first couple of years of doing all that training and, and preparing, it just it is who you are. You right. are just it's your life. Yeah. And and you don't really think of it as being a lot of time away anymore because you've been doing it for enough time that it's it's become who you are and not not only who you are but who your family is because your family is also going to the events they're they're there right. for you they're going to the dinners they're you know pancake breakfast the pancake breakfast <laughs> is the biggest staple. thing in town yeah. staple <laughs> or they could be delivering meals to the fire yeah you know they it's just who everybody becomes within your family is that that's something that happens if people deliver food out to you guys at a fire yeah <laughs> oh, really? it does happen yeah waters gatorades food yeah yeah i mean it, this has to be a pretty big fire yeah sure it might just probably some cold meat sandwiches the, the biggest fire i remember uh, i was a kid and uh the it's dairy i believe started on fire something at the dairy as a silage pile or something like that was was burning forever and they just had trucks rolling through all day long at the fire hall and uh i was just a little kid but uh i, I mean I, I thought i was really doing something important you know like lining the trucks that probably was not doing anything at all but i really felt like i was doing something man and i remembered like uh every truck that came it was like here's another tray of sandwiches here's another tray of sandwiches here's another tray of sandwiches and and finally i started thinking to myself how many guys are out there fighting that fire yeah. <laughs> you know? it's probably about 15 yeah you were, you were Thurman Merman, time for sandwiches. <laughs> yeah. So you guys need some sandwiches? Yeah. Need them sandwiches. Need them sandwiches. That's for sure. That's for sure. Uh, all right. So let me ask you this uh, before as we uh, get close yeah. to kind of wrapping up today. Uh, and again, thank you so much for being here, Brady. We really appreciate you coming in and chatting with us. But I would ask uh, if you could go back in time, what would, what would you do different? Would you still be a firefighter? Would you still be a teacher? Would you still be a coach? You know, actually, I, I went to mine in being a cop yeah going in the police force or whatever it happens to be i think that would also been a good avenue for me sure although i i would have wanted the attitude i had after a few years of teaching to go be a police officer than i would have had just coming out of college because sure i was a little more fired up then i was a little (laughs) easily easily excitable eager whereas after a few years of teaching you learn you know maybe just just let that one slide and and react a little differently to it so with that attitude I would have wanted to have been a cop right right. give the cool guys like us a pass on the speeding and things like that (laughs) that's a a speed trap there drops to 50 right as you come in oh hey surprise (laughs) got him got him yes every time every time my gal gets off I get the weird Um, anything else guys before we just get weird yeah well I was going to say if there's anybody in the community that's listening to this whether they're you know high school senior or they're an adult and they're looking at getting involved whether it's not necessarily for Cleveland any of the volunteer firefighter departments what's kind of your best advice for them to kind of jump on that volunteer path just take the chance you know you can always after six eight months you can if it's not working out for you it's not a good fit for you maybe your life has changed you can always get out you don't you don't have to be committed for 22 years or however long I plan on doing it 
we just we have people that get out after 10 years sometimes after three four years jobs change whatever it happens to be kids change you can get out but but spend that time commit that time that you can that you have available and give it a shot yeah yeah communities need it too and so and then uh for anybody that's in the the cleveland area if they wanted to help uh sponsor purchasing of that new equipment where would the gambling boxes be located (laughs) that is a great question that is an excellent question Uh, they are available at beaver dam resort on german lake didn't even know we had one out there yeah, that's cool. Boxes and any tab six. Oh wow! Plus, really good chicken wings yeah. up there too. Yeah. So. And uh, at Kokomo's in Cleveland, and at the municipal liquor store in Cleveland as well. Yeah, All that's right. awesome. So go out there and donate to charity if you're ever in Cleveland area. Yeah, my, my favorite firefighter joke I always heard pony on me and my uncle would drive somewhere together to see a couple cars backed into some stalls. He goes, oh, looks like the volunteer firemen are out here drinking tonight. <laughs> <laughs> you know, got to be ready at every time, every moment, every day. You got to be ready. Yeah, Firefighter, back into firefighters do like to still have a good time. That's yeah. for sure. Yeah. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. Uh, Brady Hahn is our guest today on uh, Strength from Service. And uh, thanks so much for joining us, Brady. We really appreciate it. This has been a great Great experience for me. I, you know, you guys are some wonderful guys, and you've got some great life experiences as well. So, and thank you for everything you do in the community. Yeah. Really, uh, um, we appreciate you. Uh, the town would look a lot different without you, and uh, uh, your leadership and mentorship in the community is um, is uh, absolutely awesome. And and uh, every time I, I go into your classroom, you know, whether I'm up there seeing my kids or doing something for the trap team or whatever it may be, I always uh, pop into your classroom and, and uh, those kids are always excited to learn and uh, you always got their attention and I feel like everything that you do in, in life, you, you try to be the best at. It's a, it's a great honor to, to know you and, and thanks for coming in here today to do the podcast. Absolutely. Thanks for noticing that. Put a smile on my face. So yeah. Thank you. And thanks for your service, man. Absolutely. You know, that means a lot. You, you, you guys probably get this too where you might be wearing a shirt or a hat or something and you, I always say, oh, I don't need to be thanked. But when you're walking through the mall or wherever you are yeah. and you've got a t-shirt on and somebody comes up and says, thanks for your service, that yeah. really means a lot. Yeah, it does, right? And it's important that uh, people remember that service comes from lots of different areas, uh, teachers, firefighters, military, uh, even the Air Force. Absolutely. <laughs> even the Air Force. <laughs> <laughs> thanks for joining us today on the Strength from Service podcast. This is the Strength from Service podcast. 